0: The time is now. Episode volume three, episode thirty-nine. It is in fact our anniversary. to our anniversary. Anniversary February 2019. Welcome everybody. This is Employment Law Now. I am your host Mike Schmidt and it is in fact our very special anniversary special our second anniversary special in february of twenty seventeen we launched this employment law now podcast it's been a great two years uh... and i am tickled and excited to be celebrating our second anniversary as we begin our third year with this podcast uh... educating and entertaining all of you loyal listeners out there i looked up to see uh what the traditional gifts were for anniversaries to see if, you know, there was anything that uh, I could do special here, something that was relevant. Um, So I looked up the traditional gifts, and for a second anniversary, the traditional gift is cotton. Uh, So nothing really jumped out as something I can do with that. But then I looked at the more modern gift giving, and uh, under the modern category, for a second year, it appears to be China. So, China is apparently the modern gift for a second anniversary. Uh, Don't really know what to do with that, other than to say that China, uh, in addition to it being something that you eat on for nice occasions, it also happens to be a country, as we know. It happens to be a country uh, that has been in the news lately with the United States, and of course, as we talk about the united states the president of the united states is donald trump and that my friends is a terrific segue into this second anniversary special podcast episode you know for all of you loyal listeners people who have been with us since day one you know that my very first guest on my very first episode in february twenty nineteen was one of my partners here at Cozen o'connor howard schweitzer he is a public strategy government affairs uh, lawyer at a our Washington, D.C. office, and he came on our very first episode two years ago to talk about, well, all things politics and the impact that politics and the uh, upcoming new Trump administration would be playing uh, on employers and businesses and the like. And you'll also remember, since, excuse me, I know you listen to every one of my episodes, uh last year when we celebrated our first anniversary special in February of 2018, we brought Howard back on to talk about uh Trump Year One. And here we are again now celebrating our second anniversary. And Howard has graciously agreed uh to come in now and sit with me and talk about Trump year two and what some of the things that he's seeing in Washington, DC and, and elsewhere and what the impact may be on employers. Um, as i also mentioned uh, in both of the last two february's uh... I, I have taken to uh... do this based on my affinity for david letterman the old talk show host um, who was around forever uh... and as i said uh, on this uh, podcast uh, David Letterman had had as his very first guest, back when he was on NBC, Bill Murray, you know, the entertainer, Bill Murray, Caddyshack, and all of the other movies, Saturday Night Live. Um, Bill Murray was David Letterman's very first host, and for every one of Dave's anniversary specials, he brought Bill Murray back on. So, uh, in a sense, Howard Schweitzer is my Bill Murray when it comes to this podcast, Um And he has, as I said, been gracious enough to come back uh, year after year, and he is here with me today uh, to celebrate our second anniversary here on the podcast. Um, Before we get to that interview and sit down with him, I did just want to mention one thing that's uh, worth noting. Uh, There have been so many questions uh, from employers, from companies, uh, about the government shutdown, and particularly with the uh, United States uh, EEOC, um, what has been the uh, effect of the shutdown on deadlines and obligations that people might have relative to EEOC cases? And I just wanted to let you know that the EEOC has just released a guidance document in question and answer format to help employers address the difficulties that were associated with the recent government shutdown. It's a pretty interesting document. Uh, it talks about, for example, uh, in private sector charges. And investigations Um, what do people do uh, if uh, there is an open charge if there was a mediation that was previously scheduled to take place during the shutdown Um, what if an investigation or a fact-finding conference was uh, scheduled a whole host of questions freedom of information act requests um, that I think would be very helpful if you are interested in getting it, you can certainly email me. I'm happy to send you a copy at Mschmidt at cozen.com. Uh, or you can take it upon yourself and go right to the EEOC's website, which is www.eeoc.gov. So um, just wanted to let you know about that uh, and, and hopefully that will answer um, a lot of your questions. So here we are. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, It's our very special second anniversary, uh, and I am very happy and um, appreciative to have Howard Schweitzer sit down with me right now and talk politics and the President Trump administration year two. Howard, thank you for joining me. Mike, great to be with you. So it's amazing how time flies. As I just said uh, a few moments ago, you are my personal Bill Murray. You are appearing <laughs> on the podcast episode uh, for our first uh, podcast episode back in February 2017, and you've been on each anniversary special since then, um, talking about all things politics and Washington, D.C. and and President Trump and all of that. Mike, there's nothing to talk
1: about in D.C. <laughs>
0: no, of course, nothing's going on uh, at all at the moment. It's pretty quiet down there. <laughs> um, but so before we get into all of that, um, I guess what everyone is probably thinking at the moment, you know, since you've been appearing on these anniversary uh, episodes for my podcast, how has your life changed at all? I mean, are people stopping you on the streets?
1: What's what's life been like since you've been appearing on the uh, on the on the episodes, Mike? It's the groundswell of attention and, and uh, accolades for my appearances it hasn't stopped. It's intense.
0: Yeah, I, and that's it, it's interesting because I get stopped all the time, and you know, right after these February episodes, and people say, you know, ha, what's what's Howard like? What's you know, what's it like to know him, and but, and all of that.
1: So, but I'm but I'm happy to do it, and it's obviously an interesting time to be talking about what's going on in, in government generally, and um, so let's do it. Yeah, and
0: and politics is such a fascinating topic, and you're you're right. Not only is it an interesting time, um, but to the extent that you know, we have employers and, and business owners who listen to the podcast, politics discussions uh, is really such a, a big topic, you know, how much people talking about politics in the workplace, uh, you know, can they be, should they be, and these mm. things, you know, where they start as an innocuous kind of discussion, they become so emotional and so heated. Um, it's, it's really something on a lot of people's minds.
1: Well, look, the country is, as everyone knows, polarized, or at least... Um, you've got people kind of gravitating to the extremes and Trump is, is somebody who obviously generates a, a very diverse set of views about, about him and he's, he's a lightning rod and it gets very emotional for people. I think it's a really emotional time for, for the country. Yeah, and by, so by
0: Trump, you're referring to President Donald Trump, correct? President
1: Donald J. Trump. So in
0: case there are any listeners who don't know what Trump you're referring to <laughs> or, or what you're referring to, we just want to have a baseline here. Um, so re- why don't you remind us, uh, for those, I mean, all kidding aside, for those who uh, uh, did not have an opportunity to hear you uh, the last two Februaries, remind us about your practice here. I'm, I'm proud to, to have you as a partner here at Cozen O'Connor. Uh, you are in our Washington, D.C. office. Just remind us about your practice and the kinds of things that you do in the political and politics public policy space. Sure.
1: So I run our uh, public strategies group, Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and we are a federal, state, and local government relations practice. I'm also a partner in the law firm, of course, but um, it's a separate LLC that that the firm uh, has that helps clients navigate through the maze of government in Washington, D.C., in New York City, New York State, Philadelphia, Harrisburg, richmond virginia illinois chicago and southern california so we are a federal state and local practice and we help clients with a, a myriad of issues um everything from healthcare to transportation procurement really anything and everything we've got 30 plus professionals now and um like my, my personal practice is similarly you know fairly broad based i've got um, many financial services clients. I do some environmental work, um, some transportation work. So it's a variety of areas. It's it's engaging with Congress, engaging with the executive branch. So I'm in and out of uh, the White House and the executive branch all the time. I'm up on Capitol Hill all the time. And I've got many former colleagues from my time in government working in This administration and the last administration, so I have a pretty good handle on what's going on around town and and how to navigate navigate clients through that. Things are definitely not boring in your neck of the woods these days. They're not. They're challenging. Uh,
0: they're very challenging, but they're not boring. And so if anybody, uh, the last little plug that uh, before we really get into it, um, for anybody who uh, is interested in more podcasts, um, they have more time after even listening to my podcast episodes. You're also involved in your own
1: regular podcast series? The Beltway Briefing. Uh, we uh, vary the timing depending upon what's going on in the world. Obviously, in the run-up to, to the election, it was weekly uh very frequent but now it's kind of a monthly thing they're on our website copublicstrategies.com and on itunes and soundcloud That's great. All right, so let's jump right into this. Um, So
0: because of the government shutdown, uh, the State of the Union Address got delayed just a little bit, uh, and it's right on people's mind, uh, having uh, just been presented this week as we are recording this anniversary special. Uh, So what did you think about the State of the Union speech that President
1: Trump gave? Anything jump out at you? I think it was kind of irrelevant, I mean. (laughs) Okay, we're done here. (laughs) No, I mean, it it was a fine speech. As speeches go, I think for me, just like I think your audience, um, you know, it. it, I think the pomp and circumstance and watching the interplay between Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and that sort of thing is more interesting than than the content. The content is is fairly irrelevant. All presidents get up there and, and make grandiose statements and promises, and the reality is and I hate to be cynical but you know you've got it you got a backdrop of you know investigations and things going on in Washington it doesn't matter what he says when he gets up there that's unifying the Democrats are going to investigate the heck out of this administration you've got divided government which is not all bad um, so, I, mean, I think thematically, some of the things he said about bipartisanship were good, but it's just out of step with the day to day reality. There is good stuff happening in Washington. You know, for your employer audience, there's there's good stuff going on there. Like stuff. what?
0: Give me, I mean, give us something <clears throat> that we can hang our hats on uh, if, if, if I'm an employer.
1: Well, I mean, some of the changes that are being made, um, for example, joint employer. Um, the overtime rule, um, things that are, things are happening that, um, are favorable relative to policy under the Obama administration, at least from our client's perspective. Um, you know, this administration is much more employer friendly, as you know, than, than the last one. And, and that's, that's meaningful. And then just more broadly, the markets are up and down, but generally doing well, Tax reform was good for the markets. The economy overall is is doing quite well. So
0: let's look at this from a very general, broad perspective. Last February, um, I asked you about Trump year one uh, and asked you to sort of give your look back and your perspective on the first year. How would you compare Trump year two to Trump year one
1: in terms of what people expected from an employer or business perspective? Well, I think it's a it's more of the same Um, it's a continuation of a lot of the policies that uh, began to take hold in in the first the first year Um, so I would say more of the same Uh, again I I think a lot of this is driven by the overall overarching desire in this administration for for less regulation Um, that's Generally good for business, as, as you know, and um, that that continues. And um, you know, I think this administration—so much happens, Mike, below the headlines. <coughs> Even that's the interesting stuff, right? It's the stuff that matters. You know, it can be changing a word in a regulation. Like, for example, um, at the end of last year. Congress passed a law that changed the size standard for small business qualification for participation in certain government procurement programs. Um, It's enormously consequential. Nobody's talking about that because it's not interesting on the front page of the New York Times. What's consequential about it? it? It... Broadens the um, number of businesses that can, can participate in some of these preferential government procurement programs that you know are, are, are very significant. So it change, fundamentally changes the the size standard. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, if, forget about just the front page of
0: the newspaper. If it's not been in your 280 character tweet right. feed, uh, you're not hearing about it. And you're certainly not talking about it.
1: Oh, and there's you know, there's there's so much, and and there are good people. Look, I'm I'm not a fan of what's going on in the White House. I was a Bush appointee. This is chaotic. It's unhealthy. It's dangerous. I don't like it. But, um, I mean, from a process standpoint, I mean, you don't, a, mean you don't mean you don't mean
0: policy standpoint. You're just talking about how he's running the White House. Is yeah, that from what you're a, a process
1: to? standpoint, from a personnel standpoint. We've had more cabinet turnover in the first two years of the Trump administra- administration than any, administra- any administration in recent memory. Personnel is policy in in government, and and that's that's that creates unpredictability, which is not what people want from government. Yes, yeah, hard. citizenry to- expects predictability. Yeah, and it may be boring. But predictability is, allows people to go about their lives and, and know where the government stands. And when you've got the kind of chaos that's governing things in this White House, it, it's unhealthy. But <clears throat> there are many good people, again, below the level of the headlines, at the level like the um, – the senior political appointee non-confirmed level if that makes any Mm -hmm, sense sure um you know serious people that are professionals in their spheres and that are really good you just don't see it yeah um
0: and it's interesting when you talk about predictability; uh, it, it makes life so much more complicated for those of us who are advising companies on their behavior, and for companies who are trying to uh, engage in behavior that complies with laws. It's difficult to do that when there is so much unpredictability.
1: Yeah. Now, I do think that in in the realm of of labor and employment law, the administration is more predict. I mean, it's. It's somewhat predictable. Um, uh, Like last year when we spoke, I think I predicted that the overtime rule would be rolled back, but not the level it was before the Obama administration. And that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, so I understand that um, when we finally get some news on that overtime rule in the Department of Labor, I think uh, as I understand it, there have been proposed regs that have been submitted to the OMB uh, and that the public is going to get them for comments sometime in March. Any yeah. thoughts on what we might expect there?
1: I think uh, a, a level um, somewhere between where we were before and where Obama was. Somewhere in the mid-30s yeah, is, I mid-30s think, what 30s. we're expecting I, that's from that's a salary my, threshold. Right. That's my expectation. And I, I think I said this last year because that benefits Trump voters I mean they're not gonna do away with it they're not going to go back to the lower threshold altogether because that's that's not good for Trump voters so it's I still expect them to them to land there but I think Mike one of the things we've seen you have to look at government on a multi-dimensional basis and some of the um, employer friendly, business friendly stuff that's going on in Washington but look it obviously it had a huge impact on the impact on the house of representatives in, November, in November's election in the mid-years. mid years mid it also has an impact at the state and local level and i think it's galvanized progressivism um, trump has galvanized progressivism we were already Um, The Democratic Party was already headed in that direction and this further galvanized that. And a lot of the the things that your listeners care about happen at the state and local level, not just the federal level. Yeah, that's a great segue, because I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, So
0: many of my episodes with this podcast uh, attempt to address the reality that so many companies are multi-jurisdictional, so they can't just focus, for good or for bad, on what's happening only on the federal level, um, as they are heavily impacted by what we're seeing the different states and the local municipalities do with employment type of issues. year two into the Trump administration what seems to be the biggest impact
1: of President Trump on state and local politics well I think it's just that it's the um, it's the progressivism it's um, you know he's having an impact a negative impact in terms of mobilization on the, on the Democratic side or a positive impact in terms of mobilization on the Democratic side is a better way to say it. Um, And that's having impacts not just in the House of Representatives, but at school board elections and city council elections. And because that's where a lot of the progressive policies really have an impact, it's, it's significant. What about agency and boards? I mean, so, so certainly we're seeing a lot of
0: activity on the state and local levels. Uh, perhaps uh, that's a byproduct of not much going on on the federal side, uh, again, just dealing with the employment um, uh, arena. Um, what about agency and boards? Are we seeing and do you expect to see more activity um, uh, on the administrative front due to some of the inactivity in Congress and in the White House?
1: Yes, in, in a word, yes. I, at all levels of government, the other side of the aisle is looking for a way to be a, a check on Trump. Unfortunately, you know the the pendulum tends to swing too far in, in both directions. I think Trump is a reaction to a lot of the um, dissatisfaction and um, lack of equality running through running through the country. Um, and I think the progressivism is in, in many ways the, the same thing. Yeah, no, I
0: I totally agree. Um, we also we've spent a lot of time talking about tax reform. Um, we're at that time of year uh, where everyone's uh, thinking about taxes and uh, and and the impact of uh, tax reform. Uh, and there've been some significant impacts on employers. What's been the temperature that you've been taking with clients on tax reform and how it might
1: impact the workplace? Mike, I think uh, a lot of it is still being implemented, but. I think the the macro effect is what's good for the economy is good for employers and is good for employees.
0: Yeah. Um, And so there also been a lot of talk, obviously, on immigration. I mean, that's taken up a lot of time and and a lot of speeches and a lot of tweets. Um, What are your thoughts on uh, what we're going to see from an employer impact uh, on immigration
1: reform going forward? I mean, again, um, it's... Above the headlines versus below the headlines. If you if you read the headlines, it's all about the caravan from Central America and um, you know Ill- illegal immigration. Um, below the headlines, like right now, USCIS is revising some of the processes around H one B visas, for example. Obviously, very significant for certain businesses. Um, so, I, I think there are things like that that are going to going to happen that are that are meaningful.
0: So, why is it that we're having so many of those consequential and meaningful um, action items taking place below the headlines? I mean, we, it because would make more sense that you know these things have some meaning and and maybe benefiting a whole host of people. Uh, that even though it may not be the juicy. A headline—it's something that we'd want to do a better job getting out there.
1: Well, because it's what sells. It's a matter of what sells, um, and some of it is the Trump effect. I mean, he's the tweeter in chief, and <laughs> and that's what people pay attention to. I mean, he generates it as much as as much as anybody does. You know, if you, I saw a stat yesterday that. Um, we're sitting here in New York. Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has more Twitter followers. She's a 29-year-old first-term rep. She's obviously done a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, she got elected. She is quoted left and right. She has more Twitter followers than the Speaker of the House. Than <laughs> more Twitter followers than Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. She has a bright future, but she has no. She has. She doesn't have. from a governing perspective she doesn't have an impact on policy and law today that anywhere even in the same conversation as nancy pelosi but she's got more twitter followers so she's got she's got the megaphone um just like trump has the megaphone it's a different version of the same thing and um and you know i think look the media Media is having an enormous impact on what, obviously, on what we talk about. Um, there were actually, so, and what I always tell clients is, is don't buy the head fake because, again, there is stuff happening. There were more bills passed in the first two years of the Trump administration than there were in the first two years of the Obama administration or Bush administration. So, I think it was 429 bills passed, many of them bipartisan, and if but if you read the if you if you turn on CNN, nothing's happening. So I was just going to say, I think we're, we're getting CNN to fact check everything
0: that you're telling us on this episode. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll be able to give my uh, I'll give I'm, my listeners an update look, on
1: that. I look forward to it. You're that confident about I'm, what you're saying? I'm highly confident, Mike. <laughs> I do my homework, but. Um, No, it's there's the point is you can't be disengaged from Washington, whether you're an employer that cares about um, policy, labor and employment policy, or you are a transportation company that cares about transportation policy or a hospital that you've got to be plugged into what's going on and you can't buy. The news media head fake that, that nothing's happening because a lot is. And so, before I uh, end with uh, with a couple of prognostication
0: questions for you, uh, is Trump going to be challenged by his own party no. uh, the next? Oh, well, that was quick. I didn't even get my question out. No. 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 There won't be another Republican challenge to him.
1: I mean, he's he's got his approval rating inside the Republican Party is almost ninety percent it is it's higher than um george w bush it's higher than ronald reagan's was i think at at this point in his tenure which is astounding um but but real so i don't see why jeff flake or mitt romney or one of these other candidates would actually come out and and challenge him i think it'd be good if they did because be good to um a you know, different perspective I think is is good for policymaking do you think Trump even wants a second term i mean i think the easy I don't think he
0: wanted the first term. well I, you know that yeah that's been debated and i've heard people not only say that that he not only didn't want this but never thought he was going to get this yeah, and yeah. oh by the way here you know here you are in the white house um, but i've heard people debate back and forth uh, sort of ego aside, and, and he'd love to be able to say he's a two-term president, and he goes out on his terms, um, do you think he wants a second term now that he's here?
1: Think he wants this anymore? I think he's a fighter, and yes, but if he reads the tea leaves, and, and he can win a second term. I think he can absolutely win a second term. But if he reads the tea leaves, and feels like he's going to lose, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. Find an exit strategy. Yeah. I think a lot depends, as we saw last time, on who the candidate is on the other side. Well,
0: that's what I was just going to ask you, I mean, who, who could be identified as sort of the, the top candidate? I know we're way too
1: early on the Democratic side. Yeah, it's too early, but Kamala Harris, senator from California, is off to a, uh, a very good start. She's made the best start out of the gate of any of the candidates that have announced. That doesn't mean she's going to be the last person standing, but she's launched very effectively. I think Joe Biden will run and will be formidable. He'll be... He's old. I mean, he'll be almost 80 if he's inaugurated, and he's not going to be a two-term president. So... You know how does that factor into things? But well, for employment lawyers, we don't use the word "old." We we say sorry,
0: experience. I apologize. Yeah, so experience. <laughs> uh, you know, we come up with all kinds of other lingo. Um, have we, have, are we are we going to see Hillary Clinton again?
1: God, I hope not. No. Um,
0: <laughs> all right. I
1: I uh, no, no. There is no way the Democratic Party is staking its future on. Hillary Clinton There's there's just no way New York Governor Cuomo No He's too Polarizing um, I just I don't see it Are we ever going to See an independent Have any kind of Real opportunity Howard Schultz Of Starbucks fame uh, Is running as an independent uh, Yeah Yes Will we ever Yes Is he going to be the guy Maybe Um, It's conceivable we could see some sort of unity ticket where you get a cross-party kind of situation. Um, We'll see.
0: Whatever you think personally of President Trump, and and that's sort of irrelevant to me because so many of these questions are so fascinating to me. Do you think President Trump has hurt or helped this notion of we want an outsider, we want you know a, a, a guy who's or a woman who is running the country like they're running a company. Um, you know, we've had doctors run in the past. Um, do you think he has helped or has he hurt this notion of we don't want the insider uh, in the White House?
1: I think he has most fundamentally helped it. I mean, people are more engaged, I think, than they have been in a long time. And you talk... They're because they're either happy or they're angry. I mean, right. It, it, whatever the reason, they're engaged. Right. they're paying attention. Right. Which, n- regardless of where you are on the spectrum... Exactly. ...the political spectrum, I think is a long-term net positive. Um, I think change... I think change from Trump to the extent people are seeking it does not mean... A reversion back to status quo, business as usual, Washington politicians. Even you know Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. Um, these are they're new to Washington. They're not um, they're not lifelong politicians. Um, so it's a very good question, and I, I think the country still wants and is craving craving change. I don't necessarily think that the reaction to Trump will be one of um, seeking stability in, in their candidate. And, and look, okay, again, people don't see this stuff, but um, this administration has been very effective in some respects at cutting through some of the bureaucracy that, frankly, this is personal opinion, but that needed to be cut through. And um, there is. It's it's hard to say good things are happening when there's instability um, at the top, but there are good things happening, um, and a lot of it comes from like the willingness to 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 cut through bureaucracy to like drive to a decision on issues still. You know, decisions get made in government on the basis of balancing different interests, and it's not like this administration is hook, line, and sinker for everything that corporate America wants. Decisions are still made based on um, balancing a variety of different factors, and um, but they, but but they have been very effective um, at kind of getting to the root of some stuff and. You know, from my time in government, um, when I was in government, you know, governing by talking point, um, which is traditionally the way government has governed, is not, is, is frustrating. I get why that's frustrating to people. People want real information, they want to know what's really going on. And, and you think we'd have more of that given, uh, you know, social media and, and all of that? Well, I think we do on some level. I'm I think sorry. we, I think we do now. Like yeah. the fact that the tweets may be counterproductive politically, they may be ill-advised diplomatically, uh, they may be dangerous from a policy perspective. But what? But they are straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. I think people like that, and I don't see it changing. And so the last question uh, on, on this notion of change, the last question I, uh,
0: I want to put to you before I let you go, uh, and it's the prognostication question. I, I will certainly um, be honored to have you back next February for, our, come back. for our third anniversary special. Uh, it's not to say that you can't come back here any other month, but uh, when you come back next February 2020 uh, and we have this discussion, what, what is Washington going to look like? What is... Trump going to look like? What is this whole notion when it comes to, you know, politics uh, impacting employers in the workplace? You know, where do you think things are going
1: to be a year from now? Um, I think probably further advanced. So a year from now, we'll be in the waning days of the first term with um, an election on the horizon. And that's when things start to get Difficult to to make happen. I mean look this year is going to be this is going to be the year of oversight from the house Um, It's it's divided Congress. So so the action Notwithstanding what I said before about the fact that things will still happen and they will still happen But the action is in the executive branch its administrative action regulatory action and I think you'll see the administration, apropos of our expectations for the overtime rule for for joint employer, I think you'll see the administration in this this coming year try to cement some of the core policies that business is calling for uh, from an employer perspective in in Washington. And to the extent things can get done, we think it'll still be a pro-business climate in Washington? Pro-business, certainly... Inside the administration, um, you're going to have from the House of Representatives a lot of legislation that has no chance of passing the the Congress, let alone being signed by the president. It wouldn't have a chance of passing the Congress if you had a Democratic Senate, which you obviously you obviously don't. Um, the House is going to do things all day, every day, for show that are going to be very labor and employee friendly. Things like um, $15 minimum wage and all sorts of um, all sorts of laws are going to pass the House that are for show. So you're going to have that too. And and I think another thing I see um, companies. Um, I say the companies need to do is you can't ignore what's happening in the house just because it isn't going to be signed into law because things can change. You two years, you could have a democratic president and you could have a democratic Senate. And yes, as I said a minute ago, that doesn't mean the floodgates open because the Senate is a control on, on the house anytime at, at, at any time, but, um, stuff's going to be coming out of the house. Um, on the administration side, you know, you're going to continue to have that pro employer agenda. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting
0: 2019 and uh, look forward to hearing uh, a look back uh, next February. Um, thanks so much, Howard. I, I can't tell you how much thanks I appreciate you spending the time with me and, and talking about all this. You're terrific as always. Thanks, Mike. Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> Well, I hope you found that uh, informative and useful. It's always a great debate. You can spend hours, days, episode after episode talking about it, Um, but I really appreciate Howard coming on. Uh, Coming up next week, a very special bonus episode, a Valentine's Day episode. You won't want to miss that. And until our next time, thank you for listening as always, and I hope all of your labor is productive. Happy second anniversary, Employment Law Now. Victoria